<laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs again. Uh, sorry everyone, we seem to have lost the stream there to a little uh, internet glitch. Uh, so we're starting over. Starting over. So just to just to keep people on uh, where we are today, we're talking about morale in classic D and D, and we're asking the question: What's the best the best mechanic for knowing if your NPCs fight or run away, or do you even need one at all? And this is such a great conversation that Paul and I were really into it for fully six minutes before we realized that the stream was off. So, so we apologize, but we're having a really, Paul and I are having a really great conversation that you couldn't see over here. <laughs> All right. I don't want to waste too much, too much time gnashing our teeth over the fact that we lost a little bit here. So we're, we've been talking about morale and we've been talking about the history of it. And, and frankly, we had started to get it, get into our personal tastes on it, but I feel like mm -hmm. I want to put a pin on that, Dan, and I want to go back yeah. and talk and, and let's, let's just look at what we were looking at before, yeah. which is these yeah. are the three morale systems in chainmail, right? Because the OD&D tells us, look at chainmail. Uh, here's, here's, here's the, uh, here's the three different systems. Now, no, check me on this, Dan, because I want to know, because I don't, I haven't dug into this. I haven't really like read chainmail super closely. Um, are these three conflicting systems? Are these just three different use cases? Uh, what's, what's the big difference between these three chunks of text here? So uh, the top two, what I'm calling like version A, version B, are both meant to be used, right? And version A is this post melee morale system where you have a you have a one round of melee and then you count up the casualties and you multiply by a multiplier for how aggressive the unit is, come up with a number between zero and one hundred, and you get a variety of different cases at the end of a melee. And then this um, the second one here, uh, system B the instability due to excess casualties is something that, that um, gets triggered at a specific casualty threshold. So as, as I pointed out before, the second column there, if you're peasants, once you lose 25% of the unit, you need to make a check. And, and in the middle, it would be like at 33%. And if you're mounted knights, you're very aggressive, you make that check at 50%. So the, the post melee morale should be happening every round, every round, every round, every round, to my understanding. And then mm -hmm. this um, instability to excess casualties kicks in after a certain a certain number of casualties have finally accrued to the unit. The last one there, version C, seems to be a modification specifically in the man-to-man -man morale. So that case C would be the man-to-man -man case, um, which, mm -hmm. which even that's a little bit unclear how that links up to the other ones because it says use the prior one, but which one? So probably it's that that is it's it's a modification of item B for the um, for the zoom in scale. Um, yeah, I mean so that's I think fascinating that's the to me that 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 what you're looking at here are three different use cases, really, right? Right, sort yeah. of the every round yeah. versus the mass casualty versus man to man. But that then the the first two the rules are different, right? Like we're they're not very. Right, the, the the actual mechanics of how to roll morale. Right, so so the two questions we come up with morale are when to use it and how to use it. And uh, right, the fact that we're given two different hows here, and then a third one that says use the previous, which is that's super confusing. Right, super confusing. Right, um, you know, and maybe in a war game it's less important um, because maybe in the war game you can just say, okay, I mean. Certainly, it's important for the third one, which is being confusing about which which system to use. But um, but you can just sort of, I almost think you can kind of compartmentalize and say like, okay, during this phase of the war game, we do this rule, and during that phase of the war game, we do that rule. Um, and you could probably do all three, right? I don't know. I, I've never played chainmail 
explicitly just to play chainmail. I've only ever seen it as a, a, a source for D&D rules. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, how you specifically, you know, even where uh, original D&D says, well, you know, for morale, you could use our reaction table here and you have to make a bunch of interpretations like the ones you're, you're asking about, or you could use chain mail, right? Which of those three systems? And uh, to my knowledge, I mean, no one ever, no one's ever said that clearly the original game runners did this. And I've seen, you know, one of the original players, uh, Mike Mornard, suggest that for D&D, you could use uh, system B in Chainmail, uh, the, the excess casualty table. But in so doing, you have to make up a connection between your monsters and those troop types, because this wasn't part of like the fantasy stuff. So you have, you know, in that system B, the table has peasants and heavy foot and medium horse and mounted knights. And you'd have to make a decision about what do goblins count as? What do orcs count as? Because in Chainmail, you actually do have specific points for system A, uh, but, but here's one of the early players saying you really ought to use system B, and system C for man-to-man -man seems to be linked up with system B. So um, you, have, you could possibly go in any one of those directions legitimately. Okay. Let's, well, let's, move, let's move forward in the timeline, Dan. This surely gets cleaned up perfectly in the next iteration, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good reaction check. <laughs> so, so in in the the yellow, so the the um, the yellow coded yeah. page. So here is uh, here's um, again uh, part where I've snipped out about a pa two pages of modifiers. Like in all these in all these images, I snipped out about a whole page of huge modifiers. So this is swords and spells, which is which counts as original D and D. It's one of the um, it's the last little brown book supplement for original D and D. And um, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> it's you're not you're not even seeing all the all the modifiers there. But the basis of it is um, you can see that table in the middle is the hit dice right turn into a base morale score. So if you are one hit die, you have a forty percent chance to succeed at morale. Right, it's a percentile system. If you are a six hit dice, you have a fifty five percent chance of making morale. And more or less, it goes up about 5%, more or less per, per hit die, basically. So the more hit dice you have, presumably the more the more aggressive you are. And then um, your question about when do you make a morale roll? Well, Paul, your answer is clearly answered, is, is your question is clearly answered by that 14 bullet point list. So one through 14 <laughs> are 14 different cases for when you roll morale. <laughs> Apply yeah. the page of the page of uh, modifiers that I left off screen, and then if you fail, you start moving down this ladder of morale states. Right at the bottom, there's five different states, and you go regular, shaken, um, disordered, routed as you as you make lots and lots of morale checks and start moving in this in this um, in this table here. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, right. I think I'm failing my morale check on on this this group of rules. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. And like the very first trigger is you have to make a morale check, like bullet point number one is you have to make a morale check every 10% of casualties. So one of the major, when I've run, when I've played Swords and Spells, the major paper shuffling is I have to have a roster of the total hit points of every unit. And I have to, mm -hmm. I have to have a 10 bullet point. When you reach this hit point level, that triggers another morale check. And it, it, it takes a lot of paper, frankly, a lot of math yeah. and a lot of paper. Yeah. 
yeah, that 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 looks rough. And this is this is I feel like another pain point of um, taking war game rules and applying them to small numbered skirmishes, right? Because like, what is ten percent of casualties when you're fighting an ogre or three goblins, right? Like, oh god, please don't make me do that math. <laughs> Right. Well, interestingly, right, if I jump ahead a little bit, you know, um, that is, you know, our, our friend uh, Keith Amon, uh, who writes for 5th edition D&D. A right? little with, bit, with his, a little bit. That's all jumping ahead yeah. a lot. Okay. <laughs> so that's what he does, right? He, yeah. So Keith, with, with, with the Monsters Know What They're Doing system, he specifies a particular per- hit point percentage threshold at which point the monster will just run away. And sometimes it's 10% or 30% or 60% depending on the behavior or the intelligence or the wisdom. And, um, you know, so he'll say, for this monster, if it's got 45 hit points, then it will definitely run away when you get to 31 or something like that. And um, and I agree with you. That seems, I mean, I haven't tried to run things that way, but it seems that's, I, I'm kind of a mathy guy, and that seems kind of heavyweight to me. That's, that's, that seems very fiddly. That seems, that's, that's yeah. too much. Frankly, yeah. when we get into our own personal preferences, I will voice how much. Most of this stuff is too much for me, but let's let's move on. What are we looking at here, Dan? Okay, so here is uh, first edition, or what we'd call AD and D, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, when it was when it was first published. And um, thanks to uh, Stephen, the chat was asking about this. So uh, first edition AD and D, and again, I snipped out a, the table of when you're going to make a roll because there's about seven. I think there's seven triggers for the morale check and some modifiers. It's not as big as swords and spells. But the basis here in the middle that you can see is its percentage-based system. And the basis is 50% chance to make morale plus 5% per hit die. So very similar to swords and spells. Right? A lot of people look to swords and spells as like errata for original D&D. And clearly, here's Gary Gygax using the, the same overall model for morale. Um, and then once again, um, you have this, you know, kind of like chainmail, frankly, kind of like system A and chainmail. You have this table of if you roll over your morale percent to succeed, um, the higher <laughs> you roll over it, the more dramatic your um, failure is going to be. So maybe you just fall back fighting or maybe you withdraw or, or flee or, or totally surrender there. Um, and again, right, based on hit dice. So just one overall mechanic of just like the more hit dice you have, the more aggressive you're going to be. And that's more, you know, to me, at least at least that's something that's part of it that I can do in my head. Right. I don't need another statistic to record. I can just do, OK, you know what? Every hit die is one extra pip on a D20, basically. So I think that's better than the swords and spell system. Hmm. It's still very it's, mathy for sure. You know, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I hear that. Um, and then also I, a question that often comes up for me in sort of the, the when question, when do you check morale? Like if we're saying, um, you know, that the morale check is based on, you know, damage essentially, right? Because it's per hit point, et cetera, et cetera. Do you roll the morale check as soon as they take the damage? Do you wait for their turn? You roll the morale check as they take the damage. And then like, you need to note to yourself, note to self in future when the monster gets an action, they're going to do this. Well, that's an interesting question. So for um, f- for uh, first edition AD&D here, and I will point out, right, this is not marked as optional. I don't think many people use this system. Like, I think frequently people are surprised. They don't even, they're, they're a first edition player. They, they may not even know that this is in the DM's guide, but it's not marked as optional or anything like that. I think if I grab my uh, my DM's guide here, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think the triggers, right, it, it's, it's, um, it's unit-based. 
um, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like the excess casualty idea. So the triggers are probably like when the unit loses 25%, I think. It's like the first okay. one. Yeah. But, but again, my, my question here is, right, that's going to happen on the player's turn, right? Player does damage, that is triggered a morale check. Do you roll it immediately? Oh, right? Do, do you wait for the monster's turn to come up? Good point. That, that part is fascinating. I also want to pick on these rolls a little bit here on the morale failure chart, yeah. because this is fascinating to me. Uh, fallback fighting versus flee and panic. I understand those two things. That makes sense to me. In between those two options is disengage retreat. How is that different? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, okay, it's, it's a now little I, I, fine, a little too fine grained for me because I'm not. I really can't tell you like how is, I can tell you how I don't know. Explain to me, Dan. What does disengage retreat mean, and how is that different from fallback fighting or flee in panic? So you got to interpret it, right? So obviously, the DM has yeah. to interpret that. <laughs> Knowing, like, if I compare to places like the the rules for the fear spell or things like that, mm -hmm. my, my first stab would be that disengage retreat. They're still carrying their weapons and flee in panic, mm. they throw down their weapons to get away faster. Would be my initial stab at that. Okay, but not, they're not continuing. So fallback fighting maybe is they're, they're, they're moving backwards, but still fighting, but just trying to move yeah. the fight back into a more defensible position. Whereas disengage yeah. retreat is like, I'm gonna hang on to my weapons, but I'm, I'm done fighting. I'm out of here as quickly as I can right. go. Okay. And I bet you could, could say with disengage, the, the unit's still still a group and flee in panic. Is there now they're just all individuals? That could be part no, of it. Just, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it definitely. It feels a little vague to me, and I definitely scratched my head over that chart when I saw it. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm not okay. super happy with the fiddly. Um, I, I agree with you, Paul. I myself am not super happy with with a huge number of gradations of failure. I don't. I really don't want that myself. Okay, let's uh, because because we glitched up and lost a few minutes. I'm I'm trying to push us forward a little bit faster. <laughs> I do too. Uh, I'm eager, Dan, to get to the point where we talk about which rules we personally like and what we actually use day to day. But let's. Uh, I feel like it is valuable to go through the history here. Let's at uh, least. So the next one's BX, right? So we should at least look at that because I feel it. That's yeah, the one yeah. that's it's most explicit. Up a few times. Yeah, Ch frequently this is the first thing, right? People, people think about this first because because with 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 the the basic expert set, they had a statistic for morale in the monster stat block, and it's it's the only time in these rules where that was the case. So it was very visible, and it's very much on people's minds. And for a lot of people, this is the first thing they think of. Yeah, for sure. This is the one I'm used to. I you know, BX is my intro to the game. I'm used to this existing, um, and at least. It's fairly organized in its presentation, right? Telling you their morale scores, here are the numbers, um, here's when to check it, right? So specifically, um, looking at the text here, um, there you go. So it's uh, after a size first death and when half the monsters have been incapacitated. And I feel like that's, this is pretty easy things to remember, right? First death, I agree. half, I agree. great, okay, okay. Got those in my head. I agree. I agree. And 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 the the note at the bottom says monsters that successfully check morale twice like that. Well, they're going to fight to the death. Um, yeah, yeah. And now, obviously, that's a two d six scale, right? So every single monster stat block had this added uh, morale number, and the higher is better. So this is a roll low system, um, right? Chainmail system B was a roll high on two d six. 
uh, swords and spells in, in first edition were roll low percentile is good. And here you've got a roll low on 2d6 system because the scores are usually six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or something like that. Um, so and, and very let me, simple, let me very find Yeah. Okay. Now here's, here's where, here's where it starts to get a little vague and head scratchy for me. So everything that's that's here is clearly kind of team based right we're talking we're not talking about individual morale we're talking about like a whole group right it says aside aside in the combat so how do you deal with this when you have a mixed group of enemies let's say you're fighting six orcs and an ogre if they have different morale scores whose morale score do you use right do, do, is 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 that two separate sides? Is the ogres and the you know, or maybe I make it even more confusing and say like there's two ogres and five orcs, right? Like, are the ogres a separate <laughs> side? Do they have a first death versus the orcs' first death? <laughs> Most of the time, we that's that's the thing the DMS decide. What would your what would your instinct be? Um, I'd, well, again, a, for me, it gets very contextual, and I start to question like, well, what is the you know how cohesive of a group are they right is the are the is one is one person here like the leader right do we have uh, a hobgoblin commander and a bunch of goblins that he's ordering around in which case i kind of want to like use the hobgoblins numbers uh, i still don't i don't want to break it down into multiple checks i think that's going to get to the point of too confusing for me i don't know what do you think reasonable reasonable uh i might um now i will say i might be a little bit biased because um you know on my my thursday night shows both me streaming the pool of radiance video game and the book of war game on alternate thursdays morale is a huge part of of both of those both of those games obviously and i'm a little bit biased because of course pool of radiance does separate checks for different types of monsters so you will absolutely have the kobolds in a fight running away while the trolls stay in the fight. So I don't mind mm -hmm. that. Uh, it sort of echoes what you're supposed to do with turning undead, if you're someone that uses those rules. Um, so I, I, I think I either is fine. I, I might actually make separate roles for separate types of monsters, but I don't mind what you're saying. Um, yeah, I'm mean, sorry. I'm looking at the stats here just to find out because I made that example up and I'm like, okay, yeah. so ogres have a morale of 10 and orcs have a morale of eight. And this is a roll under, right? Uh, which means that the ogres are more likely to stick around, which is actually, frankly, was opposite of what my gut was going to be there, which is fascinating. Um, yes. Because I think ogres I is dumber and I think orcs are a little more organized, but I don't know. But maybe ogres are dumber, so they're more likely to stick around and not realize that they should have left the oil. I don't know. I guess I could explain this either direction. Yep. Hmm. I will say, I, to me, there's a number, and again, this is one of these um, pain points that when people say, I play classic D&D, and this comes up on our shows a lot, actually, Paul, someone says, well, what about morale? And I usually, if it's live in the show, I have to say, well, that's a long conversation, which you are experiencing right now, viewers. Um, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of things that are happening in the basic rules, like the statistics that you were just looking up, that's very, very different from mm -hmm. the original D&D, AD in the line. Um, and for example, the, the, the top one is that 
things like dragons and giants in BX don't have great morale scores. So dragons and giants will have scores of like eight or nine or 10, which, you know, are good, but not great. And that's very, that's very distinct from like chainmail specifically says that giants and dragons are immune morale. They have, they, they have a morale score of just blank. Cannot, you're not going to check morale for giants, dragons or at all. And if you do the math in swords and spells or first edition, once you get to 10 hit dice, your, your base morale is a hundred percent. So in the OAD and D line, things big, big things like giants or dragons are just not going to run away. Whereas in uh, BX, you might get one single casualty and roll like a nine on two D six and your giants are all going to run away. So there's a, there's a big difference in intuition that people have depending on what system they use. All right, if it's all right, then I'm gonna I'm gonna bleed this into how mm-hmm. I actually use the rules. Uh, we're gonna step away from the history for a moment here. Um, so um, for me, um, I have I certainly I, I, when I first got into D and D or not not into D and D, but first into going back and playing classic D after having been a more modern modern player. Um, you know, I jumped into Labyrinth Lord. I did some BX. I, I, I went full hardcore into BX and I was like, I want to run it exactly by the rules. And I was trying to be very like, like really immerse myself in it and, and get to come to grips with the system, um, which I think was valuable trying to figure out what I do and don't like and how I would want to customize the game for my own needs. Um, and I tried to run those morale rules. And the, the fact is that even though I think that they're fairly well outlined that I would often forget. First of all, I would just be like, oh, that's right. I the first monster died and I forgot to roll morale and I should have done that, right? Or I would get into these gray areas where I'd say like, oh, which monster do I use? It's starting to feel very subjective. Never mind the fact that like, what does fail morale use mean, right? Like there was so much interpretation that I started to quickly fall back into what I was telling you originally. And I'll go back to my original anecdote, uh, which I, I apologize viewers if we were streaming when I gave this anecdote earlier. Uh, I'm not really totally sure when the stream cut out. But um, this morning, I was speaking to my partner, Tanya, about this, who does not have, is not as steeped in gaming as as us. And she asked, what are you talking about on the show today? And I said, morale. And she said, what's that? I went, wow, that's a big question. Okay. And I found that I had to go back to the war game roots to explain it, to understand. I said, well, in war games, you know, you have these big groups of, of units that's trying to emulate something that happens in actual combat that, that, that has been recorded historically, that when two forces meet and collide and start fighting, something happens where one group loses its nerve or whatever, and then and then they just they just break and they and they run. Right. So so how do you emulate that in a war game? And the question is, okay, we understand that we made rules for that in chainmail, that makes sense. How then do you adapt that when you're moving into an adventure game where the groups are much smaller? And especially when one of the groups is controlled on a one-per-one basis where you have individual players. Because obviously we don't roll morale for players, right? Players have complete agency over their characters. None of these systems have ever said that you should roll this for players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, so, so um, the, what blurs for me is as DM, I think it's my job when I'm playing a combat to embody the enemies and role play what I think their state of mind is. And when I'm role playing a group of five orcs and two ogres and we're getting into combat and we're fighting, I'm much more inclined to just lean on my own agency and say, do I feel like they should flee? I know their motivations. I know what's going on in the, in, I know the context of the, of the dungeon they're in. I know what they think they're defending, right? So why don't I just role play them? and decide for myself when I think they should flee. Why have a system at all? And that's where I ended up. 
and, and frankly, I don't use Morel at all anymore. Interesting, interesting. And to recap, because this is th these are the these are the key questions that were in the <laughs> the, the first five minutes before we thought to turn on the stream so other people would see it was. But it, my my take is again, I kind of don't trust myself to be objective at those moments. And in particular, I feel like the, the biggest mistake that I made as a young person is that when the monsters started getting the upper hand, because secretly I'm soft on the player characters, I kind of like them, I would find some excuse to make the monsters run away in order to save the player characters. And so by I like, and, and this is a, a lot of things that I like like this, having a simple formal system to give me objectivity and give me confidence that I'm not pulling a, a, an unreasonable Deus Ex Machina to save the characters. So I like having a, a you know a, a simple system to roll to tell me whether the monsters huh. stick in the fight. And sometimes I'll be surprised, right? And sometimes I, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, I thought they'd be more aggressive, and it turns out they're not. Interesting. That that is fascinating to me, Dan. Not not that not that you want a system to kind of push you out of your own comfort zone. I hundred percent get that, and and that makes total sense to me. But that it's in the in the direction you're talking about because. My experience is when someone says, I don't use morale rules, I feel like more it means simply the monsters never flee, right? And it's very easy to end up there if you just ignore these rules and, you know, whatever, they don't exist and you just kind of go by the book. I feel it's very easy to come to the conclusion of like every fight is a fight to the death. And I've also seen players play that way often. And that's a separate topic that we've talked about before on the stream somewhere, mm -hmm. I'm sure, yep, about yep. how players, you know, get into that mode of thinking. So I would say it is important to internalize that fleeing should always be an option, right? I think it's very important that the rules support fleeing, right? This is a reason why I don't like the kind of attacks of opportunity for, for disengaging or whatnot. I want, I want fleeing to always be an option and to be possibly even a wise option. And, mm -hmm. and I definitely want my monsters to flee. But I think that my own inclination that I might be fighting is to not make them flee and to fight to the death. And and so I think more often I'm on that side of the fence and then I'm having to convince myself, no, 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 it's okay, it makes sense, they should flee. It, it's They're overwhelmed, they should get the hell out of here. <laughs> I, 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 I hear that, I feel, I mean, just to, just to add to what I'm saying, I feel my, you know, my sense and, you know, I'm not, I've taken a, a couple self-defense courses briefly, some of our viewers have, are much more experienced with that. My My sense of those things is that you know, a, a unit breaking and running is 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 a, is is fundamentally an irrational decision. And if you read mm -hmm. something like I read Badge of Courage or something like that, the the moment when a unit runs is they they actually aren't thinking clearly. It becomes you know an animalistic, irrational moment. And I kind of like that being reflected in a random die roll. So. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly, you know, I wouldn't want to make the mistake of having everything fight to the death. That would be, I, I think that would be an oversight on my part as a DM. Um, and I agree that I've seen other people, you know, um, here, I don't use morale and assume that nothing runs away. And I've, like I, like I said, I think before the show, I've seen, you know, a member of a joint publishing group actually rage quit in the third edition era when they discovered that third edition didn't have any morale rules for the first time. Um, uh, and I, and I was trying to say, well, that you don't have to have everything fight to the death. You can make a decision just exactly like you're saying, Paul, or, or make your own die roll or something like that. 
I, 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 I could see the want for a die roll to, because you're right, it is not a rational decision, right? It's a purely emotional yeah. choice. Um, but I feel like, uh, or at least feels like it should be. I don't know. I've never been in real yeah. combat. What do I know? But, I understand. <laughs> me too. Um, here's the thing, right? Um, when you're, the, the interesting thing for me is in the context of a D&D &D combat, you're really zoomed in, right? You're really zoomed into, into one on one fighting, right? Like so much of this, so much of morale makes so much more sense when you're talking about big groups, right? Even in, even in chainmail, right? The expectation is a single figure is many creatures, many entities, right? So you're always kind of thinking about groupthink. Whereas with, with D and D, right? And, and this maybe bleeds into a little bit of what I was asking before of like, when, when do you make a morale check? Like, do you, do you do it as they're taking the damage on the player's turn or do you do it, you know, on the monster's turn? Let's assume you're doing it on the monster's turn. I'm going one by one through the monsters and making them do stuff. And so I almost want, and this is going to be way too complicated to actually implement, but I almost want two roles. One to say, does this specific monster lose his nerve or her nerve or their nerve at this point? And then does that creature losing its nerve and fleeing, you know, explode out and affect the rest of the group? Or do they go, ah, that bastard's a coward. Keep fighting, everyone. And I don't want to if it was on a computer, right? This, kind of and, right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If it was on a computer, we would totally implement that, right? That's absolutely yeah, what we do. Yeah. And 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 yeah. I think everybody agrees, me included, that would be too complicated to actually implement at the table. So I I don't mind, right? I don't mind the ab the, the abstraction of j just a binary. Does this well, unit flee or not? Seems well, what do you do? Oh, okay, approximation. Let's say you have a group of six players and they're fighting. I don't know. 20 goblins because they're slightly more powerful great and the and the combat kind of bifurcates into like oh this group over here is fighting these eight goblins and this group over here is fighting these 12 goblins and it kind of spreads out do you start to think of them as separate groups do you roll morale separately for those or is it still just all the goblins i feel like this is great but i feel like i feel like i'm in a philosophy <laughs> class with paul and i'm being i'm being given a variant of the trolley problem um I, i've never done that no, I, 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 that hasn't occurred to me to date. That hasn't. That's interesting question. I, if if I was yeah. a player and a DM did that, I wouldn't mind. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I get that. I've never done I that. I think more date. likely you're going to see it in a case of like, let's say you have a group of goblins and uh, you know an evil human fighter who's leading them, right? Who's clearly the leader yeah. and is whipping them into shape, right? And then you end up with like oh, well, our heroic fighter decides to go one-on-one -on -one combat with the leader, and that's happening over here. And then over there, the goblins are fighting the rest of the people. Like, now you definitely have these two distinct groups. And like, I don't know, watching your leader fall to the big bad fighter, that's gonna really like hurt versus like, oh, one goblin fell. Why would the fighter mm -hmm. leave? That, that's crazy, right? I will, I will say that like, you know, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, like BX has two triggers for morale, right? Right. Swords and Spells Ooh. has 14. Um, first edition, right? First Somewhere edition between has there five. is the right number. Yeah. The first edition has yeah. five, right? And they among the five triggers are when a quarter of the party is down, when half of the party is down, and the and two the other two are, are having the leader go down. Right. So the leader unconscious is one of the triggers, and the leader slain is one of the was one of the five triggers. So it frankly, what you just said are you know, is an approximation in my head. That's more or less what I expect to happen for simple morale rules is particular percentages and the leader goes down. That's, that's a morale check too. That's, that's actually sort of my basket of triggers. 
But what about the inverse, Dan? If you're going by BX rules, when one goblin falls, the leader should make a morale check, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what it says. Yeah. 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 And I'm not sure. It feels weird to me. That's fair. That's fair. But I don't know. I don't know. That's that's where I land. For me personally, and again, this is totally a personal choice. But for me personally, there's there's enough gray areas here that I just I just start to reject systemization. I just go, nope. The, the rules are always going to fail me, and I'm going to end up in this subjective case where I just have to make a choice. So I might as well just always just make a choice. That's where I land. So interestingly, if it, just to touch back on the history yeah. again, right? The the overall you know uh, trend was to have to to step away from morale rules. So it's clearly a core part of <laughs> you get it three times in chainmail. <laughs> if 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 that doesn't convince you enough, mm-hmm. it's it's clearly stated in original D anD. It's clearly stated in uh, first edition AD anD. It's not labeled as optional there. Uh, in BX, when we saw it, we didn't mention it before, it's clearly labeled as optional, right? It has a big optional tag at the yeah. top of that text for BX that we were looking at before. In second edition, and honestly, second edition AD&D does this all the time, and it's one of my least favorite things about second edition AD&D, is that many of the, many of the rules, and I, I don't have it on screenshot because it takes many pages in second edition, many of the rules in second edition is, well, DM, you could do it this way. Or you could do it this way. We don't really actually have a particular rule for it. You could do it. You want to do it this way? Okay. You want to do it this way? Okay. And so the two, um, I think, opinions that Paul and I have today, they're both in second edition. The second edition DM's guide says, okay, version A, you could just role play it. You could just make decisions based on fiat, like Paul's talking about. And then version two is, or there's a dice mechanic that you might possibly consider. So and here's a bunch of tables and a bunch of you know base morale and a bunch of modifiers. And when you roll it, you might you might consider using dice dice if you want. So um, and for what it's worth, that's a two d ten system. So if someone started with second edition, their instinct might be to do a two d ten system because second edition likes likes d tens a lot. Um, and I think it's roll low. I think I believe. Um, and so second edition has both. If you trying to make everybody happy. Probably nobody was. <laughs> and then, and then I mean, as of third edition, it was gone, right? As of third edition, it was gone. There's no morale rules. It never came back. Um, and um, that was, that was as, as of 2000 was specifically the cutoff point where morale doesn't exist in D&D it's, anymore. It's unfortunate, Dan, because I think like you and I, it, like, the reason we're having this conversation, right, is that is that it came up, I think, a lot in, in elder times, right? You're playing Pool of Radiance, they implemented morale. And it is actually, in fact, a key mechanic and, and one that I strategize around when playing that game, right? I often think about, for example, here's a tactic I use. I don't know if you've ever used this in Pool of Radiance, where I cast sleep on a bunch of the monsters right in front of me. There's a huge pile of monsters. I cast sleep on the pile right in front of me, and I absolutely prioritize killing them quickly. I prioritize killing them quickly because I'm trying to trigger morale checks. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah. to like get them to the point where, like, yep, enough have died that they're going to run or flee or surrender which is, I don't know if we've talked about surrendering yet. That's an interesting angle. Um, so yeah, it's a mechanic that you play against and becomes a tactic. And I enjoy that. I like it. I like that being in the game. Absolutely. But it's complex. I mean, just the way we're talking about it here, it's clear that like trying to write one unified system for all of this is hard. I, you know, I have my interpretation that is simple enough. I just have it in my head. I don't, you know, I don't look anything up. Um, um, so what's your system? You know, when, I, when do you check, Dan? When, when do you check? Oh, 
that's my and let me just point out i got to apologize to the viewers so, so multiple viewers are saying that there's an optional version for morale in fifth edition and I, I failed to find it so if someone could throw in the chat the page number for me to find it later i apologize my my, my search skills failed because I, I couldn't even find the word morale in the fifth edition book um so what you know what i do in dnd if viewers watch our book of stream games thursday nights and we have another one coming up this thursday as a matter of fact I, I do the same thing in D&D. So um, my, my Book of War rule is based on the reaction table in original d and I don't know if you want to pull that up again, Paul, because we haven't sure. seen that in version of the show with the red dot there. Um, <laughs> so there's there's the 2D6 reaction table in uh, original D&D Volume 1. And the, the text that comes a little bit later that I highlighted there is says, uh, non-player characters and men-at-arms will have to make morale checks using either the above reaction table or chainmail. So technically that's four different systems that I guess the DM has to pick from. And I, mm -hmm. I, I basically do this. So it's a 2d6 roll. And I say that my interpretation is if you roll nine or higher, that's good, right? Nine or higher is good. And mm -hmm. to reflect the impression that swords and spells or first edition gets a bonus from hit dice, I roll 2d6 and I add the hit dice to the monster. If you get nine or more, they stick in the fight. If it's less than that, they run away. And um, that's what I do um, in the Book of War play. And that's also what I do in um, D&D. And um, it works It works well enough. My, my triggers are, like it says in Chainmail Man yeah. to Man, I check at every third casualties. So one third, two thirds, which is two rolls at most. And that, that seems to work okay for me. Okay. Now, the issue is that, like, again, people's instinct, if they play BX, they're going to dispute that adding the hit dice because, again, they're going to be accustomed to things like even hill giants running away pretty, pretty quickly. But under this system, once you get to eight hit dice, you can't fail morale anymore. And sometimes, sometimes people will dispute that. But it's in line with swords and spells or chainmail or first edition. And personally, I'm comfortable with that. Other DMs will differ. Of course. You know, of course, and, and in course in BX, we have a whole separate stat, which I assume kind of follows the hit die maybe a little bit, right? Like I would argue maybe? kind of not. I okay. only so bit like like you pointed out the issue of I think orcs have higher morale than ogres or something like that. Um so No, the other way around. Ogres have higher morale. Okay. But just a little bit, right? I, yeah, yeah, it's ten versus eight. Yeah. So uh, I, I argue kind of not. And again, if people, if people have the BX sensibility, they're usually surprised that giants and dragons won't have any, never check morale in chainmail or, or, um, or first edition effectively. Um, so that, that's, that's a point where different DMs are going to have very different opinions. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So... Uh, I don't know. Uh, apologies, apologies to anyone who came to uh, came to the stream for answers. And, uh, we clearly we clearly disagree on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, let me say this right. So this is one of these things that comes up, and um, uh, for example, like my arena simulator. Like I want to see what what's the danger level of different monsters versus standard characters, and I have this uh, code on Git GitHub that will run millions of you know dnd combat stipulations in order to gauge how dangerous a monster is so i can give experience right and stuff like that and frequently people come when i'm talking about that and say does it do morale and i have to say no because 
there's no morale system that anybody's going to agree on. Um, you know, I, again, there's at least eight different systems I can point to in, you know, three in Chainmail, one in original D&D with us a reaction table, first edition swords and spells, second edition battle system. And then, you know, here comes Pool of Radiance. And thanks to our viewer Seeker who pointed out, Pool of Radiance has a completely different morale system that isn't actually based on the first edition rules. They made up a completely new one. So the fact that you're not going to get a majority of classic DMs agreeing on what the morale system is means that I feel that I can't, you know, take that for granted in my simulator or my adventures. And when we were talking to Matt Finch a couple of weeks ago, he was grappling with the same thing. You know, again, he had to kind of make up a new morale system, again, that's kind of in between these ones that we're talking about to try to make, you know, classic players happy because yep. there, there is no one system. Well, Dan, we're about out of time here, so I'm going to have to call uh, for final thoughts on morale. I mean, I have my interpretation that I'm very happy with and works for us. And you can see me, you know, implementing it in uh, Book of War Thursday nights in our head. There's no table lookup. Uh, Dan, you know, my, 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 my uh, gaming partner, uh, Gamma Dan Cullinan, um, never played uh, before a couple months ago. And he just does it in his head all the time now. Uh, my partner, Isabel, is not a big, you know, hardcore, hardcore war gamer. And again, she could just do it in her head all the time. So I would recommend if you're, you know, if you're looking for a system, uh, go to oedgames.com, pick up my judges rules. And I've got it laid out in, in two lines there with a really big endnote de describing all the places that I was picking little pieces from in original D&D &D and, and why specifically. Uh, yeah. That works pretty, pretty well for me. And again, I like having a formal mechanic to give me guidance and, you know, sometimes surprise me and um, not go too soft on the players. And, um, you know, those, those and, and to, you know, remind me that this is a moment where it's going to be frightening and irrational, frankly. Um, and I like the, I like the formal dice based mechanic and I like it simple. It works for me. I mean, I agree that it works in a war game. Uh, I think that it does not scale to an RPG. I think that there's so many gray areas for me that I just don't, I don't like it. Uh, it. It just leads to more questions and inevitably I'm going to have to be making a judgment call one way or the other. So I might as well just always do that. Um, I do encourage people though, to consider if and when monsters should flee. I don't know that it always needs to be a cut and dry question. There's like, like any question I have in gaming uh, when I'm behind the DM screen, if I'm a little unsure, like, I don't know, they could flee or they might not flee. I'll just roll a die for it behind the screen, just quickly off the cuff with no systemization of just to say, well, it's 50-50 or it's, you know, I don't know, two and six, go, roll the die. Um, but I like being able to very quickly in my head take into account all of the variables of the context, right? Are these monsters under the thrall of a boss somewhere else or are they, you know, defending their home? What What is the situation? Um, I think ultimately for me, it's always situational and I'd rather just role play the monsters and decide for me when it makes sense for them to flee. But I do think fleeing should always be an option and should be part of the game. Uh, I think it's important. Agreed. Agreed. So. And for me, I like having a base, uh, base rule for the mechanic and then for those judgmental factors, which have to be part of it. I totally agree with that. I add, you know, one or two points to my 2d6. And um, and I roll it in the in public, right? I tell the players yep. if this if these two dice come up, this they're going to run away, and the players are really really invested in how that die roll comes up in public. Um, so that one, I guess, we're going to have to agree to disagree a little bit on with Paul. 
Yep, pretty much. Players, if you have an There's opinion, please uh, leave us leave us a comment here in the YouTube video. Tell us uh, what system you 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 prefer. Whether you want to role play it, whether you want to dice for it, what uh, is there an addition that works best for you, or have you come up with your own variation that works even better? Um, obviously, it's a, it's a it's a contentious issue for us. Um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, maybe at some point we'll do a poll or something. That would be interesting to find out yeah. how people are yeah, running yeah. stuff. Um, but leave us your thoughts and maybe that will spur on further conversations about this in the future. Or roll, just roll 2d6 and uh, look up the reaction table and leave a comment about what reaction is. Maybe it was hostile. Maybe it was acceptance. <laughs> And of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, and TikTok. And we have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So we'll look for this there, and you'll get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can do so. Those podcasts are available on our website at wanderingdms.com. Or you can find us on other podcast carriers, such as iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you're listening to us on one of those sites right now, please take a moment, if possible, to rate and review us on that site. It helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And of course, big thanks to our patrons who support the show every month. And if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. You'll see our different tiers you can select from. And even the $1 tier gets you access to our Discord server where the conversation is continually ongoing. And just like Paul said at the top of the show, we have an after chat a video on Discord. Uh, out every Sunday about 10 minutes after we uh, get done here. So I'll be there today. Uh, I think Paul has to take off today. I, I have a lot more to say about this, frankly. I, I, it's, a, it's a big subject. There's, there's many, many, many different systems, even in classic D&D. So I, I personally was really looking forward to the after chat today to see what other people's systems are. I know that some of our viewers that are regular participants there disagree with me about some of these things. So I kind of want to hear them defend their positions. And if yeah, you're new to our after chat, please jump in and tell us yourself. Unfortunately, I have to flee this afternoon, but I uh, I hope that some of our patrons will take up my flag of just roleplay the monsters and uh, and fight the good fight for me in the in the after chat. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, so you're tapping out and you're looking for some other leader to take. Uh, I understand. You know what? That happens. Yeah. That's realistic, yeah. right? That's that's what we call verisimilitude <laughs> right there. So uh, if you want to see uh, me implementing right the uh, the morale rules that I use for uh, my uh, Book of War war game that's based on classic D&D, which is the same thing that I do in D&D, please tune in thir this Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Gamma Dan will be back there. We're also, another, another thing for our patrons on Discord this week, we're asking our patrons to come up with the armies. Maybe there's some kind of army you've wanted to see us play test that we haven't done so yet. Uh, jump on Discord, suggest the army, and we'll randomly pick one for each of us, and we'll, that's what we'll be playtesting this Thursday. And, of course, the games always hinge on morale. That's what the games come down to all the time is really the morale checks, ultimately. Very dramatic. I'm glad that they're there, and I'm glad that they're, um, you know, for me, they make sense as part of d and I guess I'm getting a last shot in here, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Yeah, no, no, I don't think you are, because you're talking about a war game, which has nothing to do with D&D. Go on, Dan. <laughs> Wrap us up, please. I do have to get out of here. Remember, viewers, we are alive. We're so glad that you were here with us today. We are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.